Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with Goals. Hello and welcome to the final game podcast of the regular season. The playoffs begin... No, just kidding. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and uh, these are sad times because it is our final podcast. Uh, Don't shed a tear just yet. Even though we've got Rory K. Smith in the studio, we also have Allison Rudd and down the line, at least for part of this uh, podcast, we'll have Matt Hughes, maybe even Ollie K. later, at least according to my script. Is that is that right, Dave? Hopefully. Hopefully. Coming up, we'll be chatting Louis Fenhal and Mourinho. It's not confirmed yet, but everybody seems convinced that the special one is uh, back, back again. Plus, the usual quick hits, and we'll be picking out our highlight of the season. Are we going to do that? Did you just put this in the script for no reason? Well, I did it for a reason, but I did put it in. Did you add this? Yeah. Okay. But Plus, we'll be picking our highlight of the season. Whee! Uh, and maybe a bit of England, too. How about that? That huge win over Turkey on Sunday. Uh, but we start with the FA Cup final. Hughie, I'm going to begin with you. And I, I, I want to just focus on the game for now and what actually happened at Wembley. There'll be plenty of times to, to talk about managers in a minute. But I was skeptical about Wayne Rooney, the central midfielder. Wayne Rooney is Andrea Pirlo. I thought he was outstanding in this game. But then again, it also occurred to me that he was also outstanding because, as I saw it, Palace kind of played the 8-1-2 formation or something and just sat all the way back and he had tons of time on the ball. I mean, it, did, did this lend any more credence that he's a viable central midfielder or was this just an unusual game against an unusual opponent? I think outstanding pushing, yeah. I thought he was very good for the sort of final quarter and then extra time. Um, but in the first half, I thought he was fairly... Uh, fitful really and didn't didn't really dominate. He does great things and eye catching things that you remember but he doesn't dominate games from midfield in a way that midfielders need to. And I think he can play there but only if he's got kind of two people to do do the dirty work for him. Instead of one thirty five year old man? Yeah, quite. I'd Uh, agree I'd agree with Husey. I think You guys didn't read Dicko's piece today, didn't you? I think the the first half I think throughout, Rooney, Rooney gave possession away frequently and surprisingly often. First half in particular, he seemed obsessed with playing those, um, those crossfield balls, which looked very nice but don't actually do any damage. Uh, and then I think the last sort of 15, 15 minutes plus extra time, he, he looked much more 
purposeful. But that was actually when he moved further forward. He was he was essentially playing as a number ten, rather than playing as a kind of deep line midfielder. He can play there. He's he's an, he's an exceptional footballer. So obviously he can play there. It's far more complicated than. Rooney's got a good touch, he's got a nice sort of range of passing, so he can be a midfielder. Being a midfielder is more than that. I got a press release from the University of Salford. Did you get it today? No, no, no. It's a really interesting press release. University of Salford? Yeah, they've got... They've is that got... also owned by Gary Neville and Peter Lim? Or... Well, no. <laughs> Not yet. But, you know, you'd think they'd be biased, but stats show Rooney has been underperforming for 18 months and is getting worse. So says the academics at Salford University. Wow, there you go. Academics at Salford University, please feel free to be in touch. It's kind of irrelevant to the conversation though, isn't it? Oh, academics of Salford University because for the past no, 18... No, it's very relevant because... Well, he's because been playing in a different position for most of the past 18 months, right? But you're saying he had he was outstanding at Wembley and you can always you can always focus on one performance or one sector of a performance and say that was good. Yeah, but if he's playing in overall, a different overall, is he that good? I think that's the, that, but that's really the point that you, you can that and what Hughesy said again is right that Rooney does a lot of th- when it, where, wherever he plays, Rooney does things that you think oh that was really good. So the thing on Saturday was obviously the run for the equaliser. His his run was brilliant, surging run, surging yes. run, beat or sort of five sorry, terrible. Challenges. As our chief football writer put it, the ten seconds will be remembered as among the most important of Wayne Rooney's eventful life. It's pushing it slightly. I think. I, I think. Let's see what Rooney does with the. Well, he's only thirty. <laughs> potentially seventy years. He might be president. I, I would tend to agree with with Henry. I don't know. I. I thought he played well and in that setting in those games. And I'm thinking ahead to the Euros a little bit. With England, if you play bad teams that will sit off you, then yeah, maybe that's not a bad thing, so, having, right, Rooney, you, having Rooney there. So if you're you, playing Rooney midfield for England, say. I mean, if you play against Spain, then I think it's idiotic to have him in midfield. But you know. You're playing Rooney midfield. Who do you play him in midfield with and who's up front? How do you get Rooney into that England team? You would, I would presume that you could play well who's up front you know Kane Vardy whatever any one of those guys right and if you have Rooney with some sort of holding midfielder type Dyer Rooney and Dyer there would be no pace whatsoever on any team of any why uh, do you need pace in your two sorry why do you need pace in your two in in, in you need to run around and chase people look at N'Golo Kante all season the player would be raving about partly he's an athlete Eric Dyer is great additional awareness and he passes the ball conservatively and you can't move he's a huge unit you, you, you need a runner in there I think the only way partly semantic issue but the only way Rooney plays in midfield is if he plays at the tip of a diamond behind cut by uh, Kane and Bart then he sort of drops back I mean I think I could see that working but you can't okay, play but, him along, along, but, 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 alongside Eric Dyer you need, you need Deli Alli in there to have some uh, mobility Tip of the diamond again. You're talking attacking midfield, which yes, is different ten. from yeah, what he was playing. Ten, yeah. You're talking playing ten. But if you use make the mobility argument, and this brings us going back to the game, Michael Carrick wasn't particularly mobile when he was young. He's very very clever, an outstanding passer. I presume he's less mobile now that he's older than Rory Smith. So if you've got two guys who, excuse me, says aren't particularly mobile, should Pards have exploited that maybe a little bit better somehow? Well, he did. There was lots of running at yeah, but always, United, always and, though, and they weren't from, given advantage, so nothing came of it. But always from very deep positions, right? They weren't trying to pull these guys out of position or tire them out or whatever, right? 
it was a very conservative ignore that Pardew approached it very conservatively I can see why he did it but it was very negative and there were actually spells I thought United were the better team throughout but there were spells where you looked at Palace and thought you can get at them more I thought Balassi is the second time in four days in cup finals we've seen a number 10 completely disappear Balassi was very uh, he was a brilliant player but very disappointing Zaha was fitful Kabai didn't really influence the game at all they looked a lot better when punching came on it did seem to be that Pardew was very happy to sit back and wait for the chance. And it, as Alison says, if they get the two advantages, then it works. All right, I'm going to talk about Pardew and the decision, uh, the advantage not given by, by Klattenberg, or possibly the two advantages not given by Klattenberg, by turning to our qualified referee. Yeah, well, well given, giving the advantages the new black, you're supposed to do it. I don't know, I don't know quite why Klattenberg didn't, except that sometimes if you think a player, if you see a player stumbling and you think he's... He's he's gone to ground. He's 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 on the he's on the turf. He's not going to get up. And you want to show that you've got the game under control. You might blow earlier than you should to show that you're on top of it. But he misjudged the fact that there was an advantage to be had, and the fact that it happened three times, I think, just just showed. But for whatever reason, maybe he was terribly excited to have the FA Cup final. Um, that he was whistle happy, and that was not good. It was not good at all. Usually, the advantage isn't actually a rule, right? It's or it's not a law of the game. The referee doesn't have to give it. It's it's more of a interpretation. An interpretation, a, a convention. Was this as important to the flow of the game as as maybe parts might have felt? I can see how it feels that way if you're on the line managing your team in an FA Cup final. But equally, I can I can understand Klatterberg's decision. It's a long way from goal. There's no guarantee that he, you know, he would actually have had a clear advantage. You know, he, he runs on and puts the ball in the net, but the opposition stops. It's, uh, if the decision, the advantage is played, there's no nothing to say that the uh, course of events would have unfolded the same. So um, I think he's probably making a bit much of it. But but Matt, you don't have to. You, it isn't like he's cut out his options by, by allowing advantage to be played. You can allow advantage and then bring the, 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 the game back. You can bring it back, and, and increasingly over the, this season, it seems that extra seconds have crept in where you, you almost forget advantage has been played because the referee then does see an advantage has not unfolded and then he does bring, bring, bring the, the free kick back into play. It's not, it's not like he, he had to make a snap decision whether it was worth it or not. He, he could have, you know, he could have just... Let it unfold for about 10, 15 seconds if he wanted to, because that's how long it can go sometimes. Well, not yeah, 15. Yeah. And I think, that's, I think referees should do that more, actually. Uh, in rugby, you know, they play for about an hour and then <laughs> take, a, take a penalty goal. In football, that hasn't been part of the culture, really. But I think if we're going to reward attacking play and, and penalise cynical fouls, I think you're absolutely right. I think referees should play advantage more and then bring it back to a free kick. It shouldn't be a kind of, you know, a binary equation. I like to think that maybe he was still a little bit excited from uh, all the the pre-game joshing and joking around with uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson, you know. But I'm not sure that's entirely appropriate for a referee. I'm, I, I tend to sort of be turned off by this kind of well, they've got to be very serious or tom automatons who don't show any emotion. But it it just it isn't the right. Well, or, or or maybe the right thing to do is if you see if you want to go and pal around with him, that's fine. But do it away from the cameras. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I mean, he was palling around with Steve Coppel, so it's not like you can accuse him of any bias, but it just—it's a little bit kind of undignified. Is Steve Coppel work for Crystal Palace? No, but Steve Coppel was there in his capacity yeah, as I a know. Crystal Palace old legend. guy. Yeah, old yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was temporary coaching <laughs> staff, wasn't he, for Palace on the day? So yeah, mm. he was working for Crystal Palace. He's the patron saint of Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, I do just wondering. Maybe just the excitement of having met these two these two legends. Do you, do you think Klatz watched the 1990 FA Cup final yeah, as a little done, boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah? I thought so. And he's like, one day I will be there. One day 
I will referee an ethic. Do you think he wanted to become a referee when he was in 1990? I'm Do you think that was his life's ambition? Fascinated by, by the psychology of people wanting to be referees. All right. I'm tempted to say we've had more than enough Clattenburg talk, but since Ollie Kay apparently is with us, Ollie, am I right thinking that Clattenburg's not sort of properly English? Doesn't he have sort of some foreign roots? The, the, the name is uh, the name is no, not the German name, but sounding, isn't it? But uh, no, I've, I've right. never heard that. I've never heard that. Clattenburg. Clattenburg. It, it, it's almost a, it's almost a sort of royal family type name, isn't it? But it's um, no, I've I've never heard that. So All right. you overestimate me. What a question to be asked on my in, my introduction. We digress. Let's talk Palace. Obviously, it's been this bizarro season, a tremendous first half of the season. Everybody going nuts about how quick they are, and, and look what a great signing Kabai is. Has he signed his contract extension yet? Or has he I just uh, talked about signing it? Parts? Yeah. They they said he would sign it before kickoff. But then we didn't hear anything. Okay. He's not signed it, but it's there to be signed. An extra two years, that won't be an issue. Why does he wait? Why, why doesn't he just sign it if it's there to be signed? What's he trying to do? He like, did say he... you he, said himself he didn't want to sign anything until the season was completely over. And the club wanted to show how much they loved him and say, it doesn't matter what the outcome is on Saturday. We want you to have the contract now. And he's not signed it to be true to his word, which is fair enough. Okay, I mean, maybe he would have wanted to sign it in the um, in the glory of success on the pitch. Uh, I mean, it, it did look it did look suspiciously like he might have uh, thought through how, how he would react to victory on that uh, on Saturday. So uh, yeah, maybe, maybe he would have gone for that. So Palace's owners, uh, they are they are. Palace's part owners are kind of in trouble for saying that they own the club when in fact like Steve Parrish and his merry band still own a, a substantial portion maybe even a majority but the American owners anyway uh, Blitzer and Harris they come they have a more analytical approach as a lot of these nerdy hedge fund guys do if they look at this and they look at a team that was very good in the first half of the season and then really really bad in the second half of the season you might be tempted to say hmm the trend isn't great or you might be tempted to say, well, the second half of the season was just an aberration because we're all focused on the FA Cup final. From January. From January, yeah. Uh, or from December, actually. I think they had a win at Stoke, and then it was like nothing. By the way, Ollie, if they came to you and said, all right, don't tell Steve we're talking to you, Ollie. Should we sack this guy? Because, you know, he, the, 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 the weird dance, the hair, the, engin- <laughs> the, the engineering. Should we get rid of him? What would you tell him? He wouldn't sack someone on the basis that um, that, that he danced. Um, no, on, not on the on basis. On the basis, it, 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 it was it was incredibly cringeworthy. But you know, that, that's, would you that's, make him give you a good explanation about the incredible drop off in performance? Yeah, you, you would look. You'd want to look into that, and I'm sure he would have his have his reasons. What would he say? Has anybody asked him why were you why were you so good and now you're so bad? Well, he, he was always trying to trying to maintain that the um, the, the, the the drop off in league form was spectacular collapse in league form was um, slightly illusory because um, because they were doing so well in the FA Cup and beating Premier League teams in the FA Cup but if you look at his career and something very similar happened at West Ham and, and um, after a really really good start you know it fell away Newcastle it fell away spectacularly and it was always they blew very hot and cold at Newcastle and obviously it's mostly cold in the final two and a half years but they would have these big spikes of you know, a good month here and there and Palace need to stay in the Premier League. That's the priority. But I don't think they would be um, too comfortable if um, if there was a if the bad form, bad Premier League form continued into into next season. Because in in um, well, to my mind at least, it, when he was at Newcastle, it seemed like they had a good calendar year and then a bad calendar year. And it's um, that's well, not, it's not it's not terribly good, though, is it? Okay, so you would give him a new contract. Anybody here? 
disagree with that? Wouldn't necessarily give him a new contract. I think that. Well, Ollie said he would. The well, that's that. I didn't. I, he, I don't think he did. So Ollie, you would not give him a new contract, but you wouldn't sack him either. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think I would rush to give him a new contract. If, if there was a, a threat of losing him, and and you felt that that. He was somebody you would struggle to upgrade on, then then yeah, look to um, look to shore it up for the medium term. But I, I don't think um, I, I don't think I'd be rushing to give him a new contract, or and I certainly wouldn't be rushing to sack him. I think you know, jury's out. No, no need to do anything. It is curious. It is curious though. Ollie's quite right about this sort of pattern to Pardew's career, where I mean, it's it can be you can look at it as like a macro trend, and it's good calendar year, bad calendar year. But you can also look. And he tends to have like six quite good games, then six really. He'll just lose six in a row, and he's done that at every club he's been at. Was there any rational? Anybody so, have any? I know why? We, we're all saying this that he's had this. We know this. Anybody have any rational explanation? Does he have any? Has anybody asked? I think him? he's a very. I think he's very patient. So they were in the middle of sort of January, February time. It was it was it was dispiriting because they'd started the season so well, and he said, "Well, I'm I'm waiting for my sparkly players to." become sparkly again and it was like well yeah but that isn't enough is it you're just waiting for someone like Balassi to start scoring you're just waiting for someone like Zahar to start dribbling again yeah it, you so know, another, another manager might just say okay okay I'm dropping them I'm, or I'm rejigging it or I'm changing the system he is very patient and that, I'm, I'm, I'm just offering it as a possible explanation no. why you, have, you go through long lulls and then he doesn't meddle with it when it's going right so he, he'll go on a trajectory where it's, it's good because he'll stick with it but and equally he won't meddle so when he's loath to tinker he's conservative yeah they haven't got any goals in the team have they Taji has been unable to change that if you if you Connor Wickham out of Ayora as your strikers you're going to be relying on Balassi and Zaha by their nature are sort of you know slightly dilettante-ish uh, what about Gale? Flight, flight, flighty players score goals. So that's one reason. I also think, I agree with Ollie, there's a danger that sort of the Leicester achievement and West Ham, to a lesser extent, has kind of skewed perceptions. I think Palace have still had a very good season, as have Watford, as have Stoke. All these teams that have survived comfortably, I think that's a success. And uh, I kind of slightly, I think, disagree with the, the sort of Pozzo family view of football, which is if you finish the season badly, you will inevitably start the next one. Badly, each three points is not equal. If you get points in the bag early, they're kind of worth more than in the second half of the season. It's sort of human nature when you're safe and have nothing really to play for to cope a little bit. I think that might be annoying for the fans, but that's kind of sort of inevitable. I don't think we can do about that. Going back to United and just so they win a trophy, Fanhal made a point of saying of bringing the, the FA Cup with him into the press conference, pointing out that it's the first trophy they've won since. Since Sir Alex retired, which you know, you're kind of like, all right, so that was two managers ago, like big deal. But when you look at this FA Cup run, I think I'm right in saying, and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I'm going from memory here. They only beat two Premier League sides along the way, other than Palace, Everton, Everton, and West Ham. West Ham took them to a replay, and I think I'm right in saying that Everton required a last minute goal. Mm-hmm. This, but, that's, I, but that's normal, isn't it? That's, that's is normal it? FA Cup, but yeah, you, know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. I'm sure teams have got to Wembley. By beating one or or two, I think Millwall did without beating anybody. Yeah, it was one yeah. year, but no, but Palace's I, Palace's cut run was tougher than United's, definitely. Yeah, it, it doesn't but, detract from the achievement. No, does it? Not, no, it doesn't. Well, I think it kind of does, doesn't it? No, I think uh, if they not, if they did, not, they dominate anybody other than the, other than arguably not, this Palace game, which they could have lost if, if the Joe Ward's played had been had been straight. If like, they'd not played any Premier League teams and 
beaten like a beaten Chesterfield in the final or something, then maybe you could say, well, it doesn't really mean that much. And there's definitely something to be said for the fact that if you are a big Premier League side who plays a football league team in the final of a cup competition, it does dampen your... But I think, no, I think if they've played three Premier League teams in, what, six games in the cup, that's half of them, that's fine. Okay, what does it mean? No, because I'm, I, I, I'm, it's a genuine question here, right? I think the cut run does show that United do have more character than we've given them credit for, and whether that's got anything to do with Van Gaal or not, I don't know. But it, it, I think staying in a game where you're not playing well and being able to get a late winner or do just enough, is there is something to be said for that. Ollie, that, 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 uh, Roy said that the news of Mourinho of Mourinho's appointment wasn't leaked by Manchester United. I don't know what you can tell us. I presume if it wasn't leaked directly to you, then uh, maybe you're free to speculate. If it wasn't leaked yeah. by by United, who do you think it was leaked by? Well, I don't think it came from the lips of Jose Mourinho. That's for sure. I don't think it came from the lips of um, George Mendes. And but I, I I got the impression it was more in that direction than than the Manchester United boardroom. But I might be, I might be wrong. I mean, it, it, it was. Sam Wallace wrote the piece during the um, during the game or, or towards the end of the game. At the, he, he, he broke that. I think during the press conference, just before the post match. Were you looking over his shoulder during the game to see what he was writing? No, but he but, but he was going off whispering to people. He was he was he was, <laughs> he, he, was he, he he had the look of somebody who was uh, to, 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 it had come out in in Spain as well uh, overnight that the Spanish press had, had, or some of them had said this is happening. Now I think that would suggest that perhaps more in the um, Mourinho, Mendes, uh, Gestifoot um, camp rather than uh, well, rather than the Manchester United boardroom as well. But to be honest, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know what, what, what can, can be done about that. I, mean, I, I know people have said, oh, it's disgraceful that Mourinho leaked this, and Mourinho hasn't leaked it. So, Husey, he, Rory made the point, sort of lamenting the fact a little bit that you know the appointment of a new manager ends up overshadowing winning the FA Cup final. I want to get your thoughts on this, and can you tell me, sort of from a reporting angle, can you tell our listeners? I would imagine we all know when when, when the story when somebody starts reporting the story, and of course it was reported in Spain the day before, but then in Spain I think they've been reporting every single day that you know Mourinho was going to be the next manager. Um, of a variety of clubs as of well. a variety of clubs that's right would you de- yeah, I presume you would then try to seek confirmation from the club or from Mendes's end from the club from Mourinho's end from one of any number of third parties that um, are beloved of journalists and hang around football I know for a fact United didn't confirm anything and still haven't so I think it's a little bit um, bizarre people are moaning about a leak I think of a story like this it's not the case of a leak it's a case of um journalists just keep asking the same people the same question and eventually you get a kind of sniff of it I mean I first read the story in Ass on Saturday morning and then Sam Wallace at the Telegraph and the BBC went strong with it immediately after the um, final whistle. When you Um, say United wouldn't confirm it but presumably they didn't deny it either right? No they wouldn't I mean we're left in mystery again Rory, you presumably share some DNA with Husey, given where you're from. Absolutely. What was he going to say? Uh, <laughs> United, United in that situation will will just give you a, a firm no comment in an official capacity. Whether there are people at the club sort of giving wints and nudges, I don't know. I'm well, not. it would be stupid for them not to, right? Well, I thought it was really strange when, when Van Gaal got off 
came out of the hotel and said to the Sky Sports reporter, it's over. The club, and I was following this from uh, from afar, the club obviously made a point of saying he's not referring to his reign, he's referring to like his stay in the hotel or whatever, I don't know. And I thought that was a really weird thing for the club to do, given that inside the club they must have known that this what what is going to play out today, which is that Mourinho gets the job, that Van Gaal is sat to Mourinho gets the job. They must have known that was at least a possibility. But financially, so, you don't you don't confirm that because it it means he can get extra. Oh, that's true. Dosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes so, it effective for well, sacking it has, as opposed it has, to a. Without, I think he is going to be sacked though, rather than a mutual consent. Mu- well, mutually I, I should point this out that we are taping this. The United we're taping this uh, Monday morning in an hour and twenty minutes. United are apparently releasing a statement, so we're taking this as read that this has happened. Who knows? Maybe those wacky guys might. You know, might have been leading us on. So please bear with us if that's not the case. But I, I was a lot of people had questions about the dynamic, about the leaks, about the timing, uh, and so one, on. One thing that I, I saw. For, I, just, I mean, the only thing I would say from United's perspective, I mean, for me, were I reporting the story, if I have the confirmation from the Mendes camp and a third party, I'm okay with it. And and United say simply say no comment, then I'm okay with it. Mm. My guess is. And I'm purely speculating here. If United are serious, they'd kind of realize that you know, let's all be grown-ups. We're going to say no comment on the record, but you know, not deny the evidence at this stage, because there's, you're, you're di- there's different Chelsea masters of it. There's dis- there's different types of no comment, and there's a certain art in I wouldn't call it skill, but there's an art in reading which type of no comment you're getting. <laughs> For, as, as far as I know, United didn't brief on it, which is the right thing to do. From their point of view, um, can you explain to our listeners what that means? So, if you speak to somebody from a club who is in an official capacity, uh, they will often tell you, or not often, occasionally, they will tell you no comment on the record. We're not going to make a statement about it, but they will very kindly steer you one way or the other. So, if on I background, if I go to Arsenal and say I have it in good faith that you are planning to burn down the Emirates and claim the insurance money. They will say we're not commenting on that on the record. Uh, on background, uh, we would, you know, suggest that that would be a silly thing to to write. If I went to Arsenal and said, uh, I I think you're going to sign Granit Xhaka, and they would say no comment on it. We don't comment on transfer speculation, but on background, we wouldn't particularly have a problem with you writing that. That sort of thing is is what I mean by a brief. So I, as I, as far as I know, United weren't briefing on the Mourinho no. thing. But in this context, I think that is possibly a bit silly because everybody knows it's going to happen and you, you, you kind of need to try and control the news a little bit. The one thing I would say is I saw Miguel Delaney, the um, sort of Twitter warrior, uh, being attacked by fans blaming the media for reporting it as though it was the media's fault that this was happening. And I th- that, 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 you, do, you get that reaction to quite a lot of stories now. That sort of, why are you reporting this? You're making trouble. It's incomprehensible. Who is attacking him? Wouldn't most oh. United fans be happy that? No, I think I think you, uh, it's only it's sort of a cod psychology explanation. I think it's that a lot of fans get upset if it is perceived that their their club is being told it is not behaving in the right way, and right. so they choose to blame the media for doing it instead of the club. And you sort of think, look, the media is just do, like our job is to report stuff. It's not our fault that United are sacking Van Hal. It's not our fault that Van Hal's not won enough games to get in the top four it's not our fault they play boring football it is just what's happening and it's our job to report it and I find it amazing that there are people out there who don't get that what's what's really interesting about it is that for the second second in a row United have handled, handled it appallingly right. I think they handled it worse with Moyes do you think? I think it's it's tough competition. Maybe just that Moyes is nicer. We like Moyes more. I like my Moyes more. I quite like Van Gaal. No, 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 no. no. Dark Dude, heart. Uh, can I ask a question? It's easy again I'm back 
back how, again. How, how could they have handled it differently? You've got the most famous manager in the world publicly begging for the job, privately agitating for it. What what can they do? All all the running on the story has been made for in your camp with uh, information, disinformation, half truths, and finally kind of confirmation. United, I don't think, have really done anything. But is mean, that, is, what, how how can they manage that situation? Is that not in itself quite damning that they've been completely the, the, in inverted commas the biggest club in the world are completely sort of dominated by what is essentially like a relatively small operation as you say it's not Mourinho briefing it it's not Jose's not on the phone to people it's no. it's all from Jesterfoot well, well, it's, it's nice there's like it's two nice or three people for the next two and a half years isn't it? I think so, if you look back it's, to an extent it's hindsight but if they'd made the decision they could easily have made Quality sleep is essential that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This decision in March, if the stories about the pre-contract, which have been denied, are true, then why not come out and say, give Van Gaal the chance to say, I will be leaving at the end of this season and Jose Mourinho is replacing me, and that way you cut all that noise from Mourinho. Does all of the that, noise was just he wasn't sure he was getting the job? That assumes that he was being sacked, whatever, which I'm not convinced is the case. I still think that Tyrone still thinks that if he'd have finished third or fourth, he'd have got another year. I said that he there was a real yeah, that's true. dilemma, and this kind of pre-contract thing, I think it was a sort of you know, it's a it's a deposit on Mourinho. It's not buying the house. And it's also the fact that, you know, Man City have been panned for doing it the other way, for, for announcing yeah. in January yeah, that, 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 yeah. um, well, uh, that their manager will be replaced by by a better manager in, in at the end of the season. Now, I, I wasn't one of those panning them for that, but I don't think it would have done much good in, in Man United's case because, A, the shadow of Mourinho is, is greater, and B... The ego of Van Hal is mm. far, far greater right. than, well, than Pellegrini's. So a much I, more I obvious think. question, though, Ollie, which makes this a bit different from the Pellegrini situation. Mourinho was unemployed in January. Mm. Why not just sack Van Hal right then and there and then just end this absolute nonsense? Bring Mourinho in. I'm pretty sure with Mourinho, they would be playing Champions League football next yeah. year rather than Thursday nights. He'd have 
you'd buy yourself time. You could evaluate the squad. You'd be going into the summer with a much better idea of what was needed. You'd have four or five months there where if Mourinho starts misbehaving, you 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 as a club even have the leverage to to bring in the director of football if that's what you choose to do. And I I mean, there's a lot of things that you could have done differently. Or one other very simple thing: if you're Fan Hal, he knows he's sacked. What if he got into that press conference at the end with his FA Cup and saying like, by the way? Guess what? I don't expect to be back next year. You guys are all reporting it. Sam Wallace there has said that I'm going to be sacked tomorrow. So these are my goodbyes and whatever, and turn around that way. Would we would, would we think more highly of him if he'd done that? Would that have been a way for him to to maintain a little more dignity than here? I think if he was going to do that, he wouldn't have done it in that slightly smart way. He would have done it in a perhaps <laughs> slightly more um, well less dignified, more uh, truculent manner uh, that, that might that might have. One whoops, whoops from some of the fans, but but would would not really have done wonders for his uh, his reputation worldwide. I don't think he um, cares, does he? Well, no. Or at least get the satisfaction no, of putting again, the boot in. But then again, he shows that he does. He shows that you know things have got under his skin, and it's not necessarily surprising that things have got under his skin because he's been a sort of or oh, dead not not dead man walking, but a man sort of walking towards the guillotine at least for, for the last few months. But he's a manager who offered to resign whether that was in a fit of peak or not he offered to resign in december and as you say had Mourinho come in then had they said yes let, let, let's do this I, I don't think united would be in a a worse position today i, I think they might, might well have been no they'd, 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 they'd be in might, a better might position might well have got top top four and Mourinho would have a very very clear view going into the summer of, of what was needed but um I think um, I, th- I think they showed a little bit too much faith in Van Hal in December when a guy looks like he's run out of fight and he certainly looks like he's run out of ideas. Uh, he only seemed to really display much fight when he was in press conferences. It's, it's great for them that, that they've won the FA Cup. It's nice for him, but unless they've been told by Mourinho, "Oh, I don't, w- I don't want the job till the summer," which is possible, then um, I think it was a mistake to to wait that long. If you're going to go down the Mourinho route, and I'm not his biggest worshipper and. I think there'll be a few stronger contenders to that crown. I, I think he would. Mourinho had an awful lot of boxing matches and rugby matches to watch, though. He has developed he? a lot of passion for boxing, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah no, look, that's not. We know Mourinho would have taken the job in January. Oh, I, I don't think know. That's he, likes, he likes now, his rugby okay. and his boxing. I, I want to put something else in there about, about Van Hal, which I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, today's papers are, and again, Hughie and, and all of you guys are going to tell us a little bit how the sausage is made here. <laughs> Today's papers are full of stories and fun how anecdotes, which basically make them look, you know, why the why the players generally, like basically all the list of bad or stupid things that Louis Van Hal did, right? And it's uh, and it ranges from telling Rooney to take an extra touch in the box or, or most strikers to uh, long video sessions to the story about Carrick and Rooney going to see him to the fact that they did double training sessions. In uh, on their summer tour, which, by the way, this annoys the crap out of me. There's some. This is the same. I like crap. it when Gab says that things no, annoy no. the crap mm-hmm. out of me. No, no. And Let's this was used, this was used against Capello as well. Like, ooh, they did double training sessions, and like, oh no, uh, the, the the preseason training. You know, it was like, uh, what, what's the term you guys love to you? It's it's not a it's not a holiday jolly where all the English players get drunk. It's that they're actually like working. It's it's, it's like a boot camp type scenario, right? It's freaking preseason training. Right, this is what you're supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with double tra- double training sessions in preseason training. But anyway, there's it, it basically this compendium of stories, which are in every paper, which are all kind of the same and all make 
Fun Hao looks stupid. Now, Husey, sorry, that really uncomfortable sound. Was that Husey making it or Ollie? Uh, no, it's probably the the toy announcer at Milton Keynes Central. Okay, thank you. So, Husey, tell us all these stories. I'm assuming. You guys didn't all go and report these stories in the space of 24 hours. This is because some of them are stories that were very familiar. When all this stuff comes out, is it really a case of player agents and maybe even some people at the club or sometimes players saying like, oh, now that, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. Let me tell you all these other reasons why I found how it was bad. Uh, well, it's difficult for me to answer that question because I know where that story came from and obviously can't say. Well, in general, um, well, well, I mean, there's lots of different stories. I'm assuming they all come from one person. No, not necessarily, but the fact that every paper has got them suggests that there has um, been some element of, uh, you know, ownership of, of, of the story, basically. A lot of them were kind of rehashing stuff we knew already, but the, the, the killer details for me are sort of the emails and the tracking and things like that. It, it just illustrates to me, reading it, how Van Hal has, has had lost that dressing room, to use the awful cliche, because that information can only have come from... At source, players obviously may pass it on to intermediaries, agents, friends, whatever, family. Um, but the ultimate source is, is is in the dressing room. I want to move on to Mourinho quickly. It's funny, we're giving Mourinho short shrift, but I guess we'll be talking about him a lot uh, going forward. There's our columnist, uh, Matthew Syed, columnist of the year. I'm just going to read his headline here. Shameless Mourinho and his clique, presumably he's referring to George Mendes. Not uh, much of a clique. It's just him and George. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and... Uh, Somebody else we know. Uh, not fit to inherit the club that Busby built. And he's worried about, it refers to Mendes as loathsome, and he worries about United's reputation. Anybody, all right, none of us are United fans, as far as I know, but anybody have similar concerns? Is this, is this a big deal? Is this purely a moral argument? Do you think United might start losing fans or maybe some of their 659 million followers worldwide? because they're so turned off by shameless Mourinho and Lopes well, and George? I think, I, think, I think Matthew's just trying to be a bit cute there because he, he Matthew doesn't rate Jose Mourinho. So he's deliberately bumping up, elevating United as this pure concept that will be sullied by, tainted by Mourinho going in. There's nothing particularly special about Manchester United. Every club could make a very good case for why their club has something pure and beautiful and historic and worthy about it. And you can go on and on about the Busby Bays. Even Milton Keynes Dons? I was going to say MK Dons, yeah. They too make a very good case, in fact, because of, of what they're trying to right. achieve, no, their no, work okay, in progress. Okay, okay, enough of them. You can, you can, you can, yeah, you yeah. can. That's the yes, point, yes, that's yeah. the no, point. No, I agree with you. And I think, I, think if, I, think if Mourinho, I think if Mourinho was going in to Glasgow Rangers, Celtic, uh, Liverpool... He, he, probably Matthew would say the same thing. There's nothing. There's Does nothing he generally not, How can you not rate Mourinho? Like, do, he, like he, you can think he's a, a, a bit of a, dick, but you you can't like think he's not a good manager. Well, you can make a case that he's a short-term manager who leaves behind yeah. in his wake a trail of oh, yeah, destruction that, and, and, and immorality. A conflict of interest. That's I massively think. true. But you can't say that you can't you can't say that like appointing him is like appointing a bad manager, even if it's just a short. Even uh, yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he says that Mourinho's a bad manager. He says that. Mourinho is, is shameless and, uh, and, and and sort of unscrupulous and so on. Now, some people might have said that about United's most successful, or his enemy certainly would have said that about United's most successful ever manager, right? Well, this idea that, that Mourinho's antics will overshadow United. It, Ferguson, what, he wouldn't sell Real Madrid a virus? You always had to check under the pasta to see if the Italians had given you sauce, which at least which even suggests that, to be honest, they're constructing the pasta incorrectly, just the sauce goes on top. It's like, Ferguson wasn't like... 
Jesus. Do you know what I mean? He was a ruthless, often quite brusque and rude strot. Like, he, he was not a nice bloke, Ferguson, as a manager in, in right. a professional context. But he built a dynasty. Uh, dynasty. Uh, how serious... I mean, do you, I think you live probably closer to Old Trafford... Uh, than any of us. No, no, maybe Rory mm-hmm. does. Okay, well, you still you still live up north, and you've lived up north longer than Rory has. True. Stop shaking your head. Not not in a cumulative sense. It doesn't really no, matter no, when you're four years again. old in Leeds or you're Harrogate again. or wherever you are. Can, can, can we move on? Yeah, but just try and be factually accurate. Okay, Ollie's more northern than you are. Incorrect. More northwestern than you are. Correct. Okay, thank you. All right, Ollie, you, you you've got a better pulse probably there uh, than than we do here in in, in the London Goldfish Bowl. Is this an issue? I mean, people keep going with the story, like, well, Bobby Charlton didn't want, you know, as if Bobby Charlton matters two jots to the, to, to Woody and the and the Glazers. But is this an issue? Are there people who, who are legitimately concerned that Mourinho's not going to stick around 25 years or that George Mendes will start running the club? I mean, effectively kind of has been for the last couple of years anyway. Mm, yeah. No, there, there, there are concerns about that from people I've spoken to, not at, not at sort of senior boardroom level certainly not in florida um but it's there are concerns amongst people who have been at united a long time who think well yeah you don't have to be you don't have to be a manager who sticks around for for 25 years because that just doesn't happen now i mean guardiola signed a three-year contract in uh, at at manchester city everybody everybody expects that to be a a three-year operation i think I think what people expect is that that will be approached in more of a sort of sensible, long-term um, legacy type of way. Whereas Mourinho, it's very much you go in there, it's it's there's that sort of trail of destruction, or or, or you well, I mean destruction both in a positive and negative way. It, I'm, I'm sure there will be a trophy or two if he stays there for three years. There will be a trophy or two. There will be big improvement, but there will. There will, I'm sure, be a cost to it, whether that's um, stopping youngsters progressing as, as they might otherwise have done, whether it's reputational cost in terms of uh, of the, the kind of fractious behaviour that, 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 that he's well known for, or or whether it's um, alienating players over time. I, th- those are the things that happen when he stays at a club for a, a third season, and people say, well, it's a small sample size, it's, it's Chelsea first time around it's Real Madrid and it's Chelsea second time around because they're the only times he's got to two year three but it has happened 100% of the time and it's been the same things happening 100% of the time and I would say that would be a concern that has always been my sort of question about about Mourinho and United and the style and the fact that you know he, he doesn't he doesn't like expensive creative football he likes of straight lines football that, that, that right. is extremely well organised and extremely effective but it, I think in an ideal world Manchester United would be in a position where they would have given Mourinho short shrift and given him a wide berth because like like Real Madrid they, they are a club which ideally would probably steer clear of somebody with that those characteristics as manager but Real Madrid were desperate in 2010 and Manchester United are utterly desperate now all right, we're going to move on to quick hits in a minute, but I'm going to do some foreshadowing here. After this, you will be asked what your highlight of the season was. I presume you already have one prepared. No, my, my, my highlight of the season would, would undoubtedly be Leicester City, and not just any individual moment, but just the entire story and, and the remarkable, uh, the, the way that they just saved what I think would have been one of the most disappointing Premier League seasons of all time and turned it into this remarkable 
incredible story. And every time I went along to um, the King Power or every time I watched them away from home, it was just a joy because they're a, a breath of fresh air and, and a, an inspiration, I think, in, in a season where so many other clubs were, were a complete letdown. And look at, at the players, you could name any one of them and they're all an inspiration in a, in, a, in one way or the other. But Leicester City would undoubtedly be my highlight. Now, he's as big and kind there mentioning Bela Luan, uh, one of the signings who did not work out when so many others obviously did. Uh, Ollie, thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Rory, your highlight of the season. Can I pick a specific moment? Whatever can, you can like. Can I pick two specific moments? Yes. The, the, they're not highlights necessarily that don't mean anything to anybody else, but they're the Is two. Is one of them the moment Matthew Side won columnist of the year? Yes. No. Uh, For the seventh so th- straight year? My, my abiding memory of Leicester is one of those moments that I... No, no, not Leicester. No, no, you just, can't pick just Leicester. Shut up. Okay. The one of those things that was really special was at, after they'd beaten Sunderland two 0 I'd been doing the online report. I think I was there with George, and we sort of walked down the press box at the Stadium of Lights, right at the top of the stand. It takes about forty-five minutes to walk down, uh, and the Leicester fans were all in the away end, right up in the rods, just singing for about ten, fifteen minutes over and over again. Now you don't believe us. Now you don't believe us. Now you don't believe us. We're going to win the league, and it was that mo- that was the moment that it really sort of struck home. My dad's a Leicester fan, and it was the moment it really struck home, and I sort of thought, Jesus Christ, they are going to win the league. And it was, that, that was a really kind of... It was one of those moments that reminds you, after a while, like in March, April, you're a bit... It sounds really spoiled, but you kind of sit going to football matches and having your weekends taken up, and you kind of just want to be at home and like having a roast with your friends or whatever. And it was one of those moments you think, that's really... It was really nice to be there. But my other memory of the season also features my dad. Would you like to... I've, I've, I've really bonded with my dad this year. Yeah. In February... We, I wrote a piece on it for ESPN. We got invited by Coventry City's club historian to the club's Legends Day, where they didn't your granddad play for Coventry grand, City? My, my granddad played for Coventry. Gordon Smith, Bernard Smith, right. Gordon. Come on, it was a really nice day. It was really touching to see lots of people of all ages be really kind of enthralled to see to meet players from the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. Ernie Hunt from the Don, of Donkey Kick fame. Dennis Mortimer, who won the European Cup with Aston Villa. What was really special to me on a personal level was... Darren Huckerby? Darren Huckerby was not there, but Brian Kilkline oh. was, who was one of my oh. heroes as a kid. Uh, he gave a foul mouth speech and was wearing a waistcoat. It was really nice. Uh, but the, the best bit was my dad, unbeknownst to him, got asked to stand up and take a round of applause on behalf of his dad, who played for Coventry for three years in the 30s and helped them win the third division north. Uh, and my dad didn't know it was going to happen. My granddad died ages ago. Uh, and it was really touching for my dad to do that, to know that people kind of remember his dad uh, and he got given a tie, a Coventry City Former Players Association tie, which he now wears to all formal occasions, it's Aww. really sweet Oh, that's sweet, <laughs> that's any lovely. truth that now like, he might be persuaded, I mean, to, to buy the club My dad? Yeah, given that Coventry have kind of, or is that, you can't comment on my, that can you? My dad can't buy a club even Coventry Alright, Alison Oh, well, to be consistent, as I mentioned last week, if anyone's feeling low, I make them listen to the Radio Leicester commentary of Vardy's goal against Liverpool because it was might be the best commentary I've ever heard. Personal highlight? Oh, it's a bit me, 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 this podcast, isn't it? Self-indulgent. Yeah. I really liked going on a steam train with the Crystal Palace team because it was slightly surreal. I'd never been on a steam, chain, steam train before. On that steam train, me, they jeddinat said hi and said he'd read something I'd written about him and thank you which is lovely because players just don't do that is your personal highlight not James Morrison and uh, uh, equally (laughs) 
<laughs> James Morrison remembering my name was also a personal highlight. <laughs> Can we just give a and shout Jürgen out? Jurgen Klopp wearing a Beatles t-shirt. Uh, yeah, apart from the Jurgen Klopp wearing the Beatles, whatever. But can we just point out? If he'd worn like, a Ruttles t-shirt, I would have died and gone to heaven. But he didn't. Never mind. Not all professional footballers are egomaniacs driven simply by sex and money and fast cars. Well, it's there nice are some to be reminded of that. Wonderful human beings like Mila Jedinak and uh, James Morrison. And James Morrison. There you go. And and one tall one and one small one. Right? What's your highlight of the season? Yeah. Gabriele. No, I mean I don't think you can get beyond the um, beyond the Lester story. Uh, I was quite struck by seeing enough of Lester already. Exactly. <laughs> since we're all going there, what is your Lester highlight season? I, I boring one, but I was struck by seeing Claudio Ranieri in tears. And more than that, I I spoke to him at the Football Writers Dinner in person. He's in complete autopilot. He's given a billion interviews since the season ended to the world's media. He has basically said the same 10 things in different order in all those interviews. <laughs> I don't think the realization of what his club has achieved this season has hit him. Mm. I think it may not hit him for a while. He's still in some kind of sort of physical shock, I think, from, from what happened. And, and yeah, it is that remarkable, no matter what Cass says about like with the odds and stuff and how they weren't really 5,000 to 1 and whatever. It is, it is the greatest achievement, season-long achievement in, in the history of sport, hands down. Right, how about some quick hits? And these are going to be so quick that, so for obvious reasons, we can't have Ollie join us in them. Greta Chaka has been heavily linked to Arsenal. Rora, you know a thing or two about Swiss footballers of Albanian stroke Kosovar descent. Is he the answer, old Balkan expert? Uh, he's a very good player. He's pretty much exactly what Arsenal need, a sort of rangy, powerful, uh, influential, tough-tackling midfielder. Really like Granit Xhaka. I think £30, £35 million, pounds, which they're meant to be paying for him, is a little bit over the top. But, uh, yeah, a good signing. England played a friendly against Turkey in Manchester yesterday, and judging from the reaction, few were particularly excited. I refer you to uh, was a piece by Matt Dickinson saying that uh, Manchester hasn't caught Euro fever yet. Alison, what did you learn? Uh, probably too much. This isn't the time to learn a lot, is it? And uh, of all the... It, it, was, it, it was dispiriting, actually, and slightly disappointing. Uh, the thing that annoyed me, worried me the most, was Joe Hart saying afterwards, we are going to try and peak against Russia and that sums up everything that's wrong with England they should be thinking of peaking in the final that's what the great nations do we should limp through the qualification just get through like Italy uh, Italy yeah. always do that And but, but a, good te- a good team would think big think big don't think how are we going to cope with Russia I just found that a bit depressing Hibernian completed a stunning comeback to defeat Rangers in the Scottish Cup final, but matters were overshadowed by a massive pitch invasion, which reportedly saw some Rangers players and officials abused, as well as the goals themselves, which were torn down. Although it should be stressed, the majority of the invaders were apparently peaceful. Uh, Rory, you're you're Scottish, as I understand it. Huh? Is this a concern? Is this a trend? Are we making too big a deal out of this? It is a concern because. The Rangers were very, very upset. The Rangers were rightfully upset. I think the police took far too long to, to get control. I, I don't understand why Hibs hadn't won the Cup for 114 years. I don't understand why that your natural reaction in that situation is to try and attack fans from another club. I don't know what, understand why Rangers fans then responded, why the Rangers fans weren't just leaving. Wait, but according to Rangers' statement, they didn't. the Rangers fans didn't respond. They showed admirable restraint. According to quite a lot of the eyewitness accounts, that's not entirely true. Not You, sh- you, shouldn't, you can't blame Rangers for the behaviour of, fa- of some of their fans. Apparently the Billy Boy son was, was, was son, which is banned. 
uh, complete with the sectarian lyrics. Neither club, the elements of the support of, of both clubs didn't cover themselves in glory. I think the police were f- took far too long to try to bring it under control. Uh, and what's also very concerning is that the polarisation in Scottish football is so great that nobody will accept any blame or do anything other than point fingers, and that's really problematic. Liverpool played Sevilla in the Europa League final. That would be Monchi's Sevilla, of course. And it was a prototypical game of two halves. Alison, uh, you were there. Is your reaction more demoralised, hopeful for the future, or angry at the Swedish referee and dot-com millionaire Jonas Eriksson? I felt demoralised on the night. It rained. I missed my last train and taxis in... Switzerland are more expensive than a plane. Well, I was with the fans, and uh, we didn't get cross with the referee because we knew that wasn't the reason. It was, it was, it was interesting. I'm not with the fans very often, and sadly, they they did come a point where we were all right. You entertain us. You give us a reason to sing. We went very, very quiet because we could see that it was it was a very, very poor performance. It might be the poorest performance I've seen Liverpool give in a final. Actually, it's a weak squad taken as far as it could go this season. It's a shame there's no Champions League football to attract big names, but big names is what we need. Gary Jacob reports in today's Times that Romelu Lukaku is open to return to Chelsea. Rory, is this something your friend Antonio Conte should be pushing for? I don't think that's how you pronounce Romelu Lukaku in his in his natural accent. I think he would be Romelu Lukaku. I, mean, I, I would assume that it's a Congolese name. Yes, yeah, no, well, no, Romelu is his dad is not a name. It's his dad's initials. All right, well, That's where the name okay, comes okay. from. Listen, Ro- Romelu, please, leave me a voicemail and pronounce your own name, please, so that uh, well, is, then we'll just play it through next he time. He is Belgian. He would have a Belgian accent, therefore his name would... He's Belgian, because he speaks one language in Belgium, right? No, he's, he's Francophone Belgian, so he'd be Romelu Lukaku. All right, there you go. Romelu <laughs> um, Lukaku. Uh, I think that Antonio Conte would be... That's how they speak in Puglia, where he's from. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'd do really well. Uh, would have thought Lukaku might have reservations about going back to Chelsea, but he apparently would consider it. Uh, Good, so you read Gary's story, but should, should Conte say, you know what, stuff Costa, let me get Lukaku. So Lukaku is a better long-term bet, isn't he? He's younger, he's less likely to... He'd never make a director of football, he's way too indecisive. OK, I've got a very narrow, very narrow remit question for you here, Gab, which is that it was cup final weekend all over Europe, Spain, Germany, Italy, France. What happened? In 30 seconds. Or less. Right, here we go. Barcelona had Javier Mascherano sent off against Sevilla. They didn't play great. They were forced to defend, which was interesting. Luis Suarez got injured along the way. Uh, Ever Banega then later got got sent off for Sevilla. And uh, Barcelona uh, eventually won, thanks also to a wonderful pass from Messi to Jordi Alba. In Germany, it finished 0-0. Mats Hummels got booed a little. Then he came off in the 80th minute. Horrible penalty sequence. Kimmich, uh, Socrates Papasatopoulos, and Sven Bender all missing. But Pep and Pep crying at the end and lifting the cup. In Italy, uh, Milan actually played really, 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 really really well against uh, uh, Juventus, uh, but they just lacked the quality. Juventus, not a good game, but in the end they won, with Alvaro Morata scoring in extra time, 1-0. And in France, Paris Saint-Germain beat Marseille 4-2. Slatan, uh, how about that? One farewell after the other, two goals and one assist, and um, at the end of the game, he rose, he ascended directly into heaven. And a toaster and a cuddly toy. As befits Slatan. 
Right. That's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today, Rory K. Smith and Allison Rudd in the studio, Ollie K. and Matt Hughes on dubious phone lines from uh, around the country. Many, many, many thanks to uh, all the guests that we've had on uh, this season, Tony Cascarino, James Scowcroft, George Colkin. Uh, there's many more. I probably shouldn't be naming them because undoubtedly I'll forget some, but we're very, very grateful to all of you. Uh, many, many thanks also to uh, our producer, Dave McGuire. He's the guy who uh, who makes it happen. Uh, he's the guy who lovingly posts the uh, game podcast to Twitter. Many, many thanks to Max Rushton, who makes me look good by coming in to replace me. And that's why you all miss me when I'm gone. Uh, you can press that subscribe button. We won't be back next week, but uh, there may be a few treats popping up over the summer. You'll have to wait and see. And I'm just reading from a script here. I have no idea myself what those treats are going to be, but I don't know if it's safe to reveal it yet. I mean, the, by this stage, of course, um, Funhouse sacking has been confirmed. Uh, Rory, is it true that you and Louis Funhouse will be doing a daily half-hour podcast together during the Euros? Uh, we're doing a, a Yoda and cycling retreat. It's going to be really uh, exciting. A bit of golf, too? I don't play golf. No, no I know, but Louis does. Maybe, Louis- you can, maybe you can caddy for him. I, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. He disagreed with my, my stick selection or whatever. <laughs> Your stick it? selection. Very impressive. With the golf sticks. Um, remember, you can get exclusive football highlights free as part of your subscription. It's just £12 for a 12-week trial. Just search The Times online. You'll get plenty of other great content. I know uh, we've got a few special things lined up as well during the uh, during the Euros, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of coverage. We have a great team going out there. So, yeah. Till next time, if there is a next time, bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. 